Welcome. We are so glad you have joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. exciting part of the night when we got three amazing young adults who are going to come and bring the word uh, for us tonight. And the first one of those is a guy that um, just gets his hands in and does whatever needs to be done in order to make things run. And we're really happy to have him on our team. And I'd like you to put your hands together for Joe Spinari. Big Joe. Incredible multitasking tonight, hey. Awesome, well, Dave, you ticked my first point, which was to thank the pastors, definitely Ross and Mary and Pete and Em. I guess I wanted to thank you personally because you really, I think, Parvey Bay has this culture, you know, people say it's for the newlyweds and nearly deads, and yes, that's 100% true, there's a lot of newlyweds and then there's a lot of end of life. Um... <laughs> But it's also a place, it's also a place of peace and healing. Does, you know, I don't know if anybody else feels that vibe here. Um, you know, both in the secular world um, and in the Christian world, a lot of people resonate with that in this place. And I think, you know, maybe that's true. Maybe newlyweds need peace and maybe the others need healing. So that sort of connects. But, um, but I really want to just appreciate you guys for investing in a community of people and creating a safe space um, where God can just show up. And just be there for the peace and the healing. And, and that's just a, yeah, kudos to you guys. And we love you so much. So, yeah, what are we talking about? The promise. <laughs> um, it's so interesting when you do think about a place like Harvey Bay. You know, let's say you move here and I'd probably say at least 90% of people move to Harvey Bay from somewhere different. You turn up to a new place and you're looking for something. Maybe you come with plans. Maybe you come without a plan. It's just you need the peace and the healing. And so you find somewhere by the bay, you find somewhere by the beach and you, and you turn up and you have this expectation. Another thing that people have is a promise. And so they show up somewhere and they expect something's going to turn out a certain way or perhaps they've had a promise from an employee or maybe they've had a promise over their life that when they do A, B, C will occur. And isn't that true in your life is you have this promise in, in every season there's always a promise that you're looking out for. Another word for a promise is potential. Now I'm into definitions and so I definitely looked this one up. And it is the uncountable qualities that exist and can be developed. That is your potential. And there are so many potentials that are given out. One of them in the Christian sector we call the prophetic call or a vision on your life. And how many of you have this potential, maybe a, a mum or a dad, a teacher or a mentor or a pastor or someone above you has, has said you've got so much potential on your life. And you go, well, what does that mean? Well, what it, maybe they've given you a specific parameters of what that is, or maybe they've just said, you've got good potential. And, and we're all striving for this idea of, you know, a, a future that's better or a future that's brighter, and this potential, this energy that's within us. Um, when is it going to explode? When is it going to come out? It's this sort of anticipation. And when it doesn't happen, we just break apart. I'm sure many of you can, can recollect something recent or something in the past where a potential promise didn't work out. 
Life's journey has so many multiple calls and a call to adventure. And one particular character that we see in the Bible, his name's Abraham. Someone that we don't really always talk about, about the youth of Abraham. We talk about Father Abraham. And if you went to Sunday school, they talk, you know, Father Abraham had many sons. You know, they dance. But you know what? Abraham was a young man once. And he had a potential, a God-given potential. He was living, actually, with his father, because his father was wealthy and he lived underneath the tents of his father. And how true is it sometimes that we have a potential in our own lives, but we are more likely to live under the tent of someone else's potential and someone else's reward. It comes to a point when Abraham, well, actually at this point, his name is Abram, turns 75. You should probably leave your father's house by 70 at least. For 75, I think you're pushing it just a little bit, please. God shows up and says to him in Genesis, God told Abraham, leave your country, your family and your father's home for a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation and bless you. I will make you famous. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. Those who curse you, I'll curse. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left just as God said, and Lot, which is his nephew, left with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Abram took his wife Sarai and his nephew Lot with him, along with all the possessions and people they had gotten in Haran, and set out for the land of Canaan and arrived safe and sound. So the call of Abraham or Abraham at the time, was to get up, get out, and go and do something. He took the step to get out. He took the call for adventure. And everyone has a call for adventure in their life. Without this adventure, you die inside. Can anyone equate with that right now? If suddenly that call or, or potential or adventure that's ahead of you, if it, if it fails, something inside shrivels up and dies. And this is what life is about, this call to adventure and to get up and to take a risk. But you know what? A God-given potential, while it's a call to adventure, it is a challenge, 100% a challenge. There is another guy in the Bible. His name's Jonah. He had a calling on his life. He was called a prophet. He was given a particular purpose. He was to go and to give a message of hope, of deliverance and salvation to a land of people who did not know any of those things. So he sets out to challenge this sphere of the world, yet somewhere along the journey he gets lost. He has a call but he turns away and he is on a ship heading the opposite direction. I feel that in every, every circumstance of this call of adventure, we have highs and lows. And there's something which stops us. Some of us call it the devil, but I'm here to tell you right now, it's not. It's not. Because in this story, Jonah, it wasn't the devil that got in the way. It was himself. It was absolutely himself. God called him to the place. And next minute, he's on a ship heading the other way. Interesting story about the Old Testament is that there is so many psychological significant occurrences and it can be really pulled apart. And I want to go into that just a little bit. I don't want to bore you, but it's really very interesting. Jonah itself, his name means dove. 
And in the Hebrew, the concept of a dove is a soul, yeah? So we've got this soul on a ship, a ship like a body in a raging sea. He's got a call and he's turned and gone the other way and suddenly he's in a raging sea. In raging seas in our lives, these oceans, this is also to do with our psychology, to do with how we feel, this anxiety of a raging sea that may be around us. Life's obstacles, perhaps. Perhaps it's the fear of what could happen to you. Perhaps it's past hurts that have been done to us that's making us run from our potential and our call. It begins to dictate our current circumstances. Or perhaps it's our beliefs which has been misguided. The beliefs that are within inside of us, whether we realise it or not, are an invisible and unscripted um, sorry, invisible, and they scripts our lives, these beliefs that we hold, ultimately. And unfortunately, these beliefs can place us in a prison of our own creation. In Jonah's situation, it did. It placed him in a boat heading the opposite direction. He met a turbulent time. Now, usually, when you come to a storm, it would break you out of this sort of illusion, but in the sake of Jonah, where did we find him? He was sleeping. That, that doesn't make sense. There's a storm going around and he's still sleeping. Like in, in the natural sense, that doesn't mean anything. But we know, and I'm here to tell you today, if there's something in the Bible that you go, that doesn't make sense, please don't skip over it. Because everything means something. From a psychological point of view, the fact that he was sleeping shows that he's been detached from his reality. So he's heading in the opposite direction and he's so disillusioned from this call that he's still sleeping in the midst of his storm. Suddenly when he's shook, awoke by the people around him, he falls into shame and blames himself. He tells them to throw him over into the depths where he's devoured by a beast. I've got a, a question for you. It's a little bit of a hard pill to swallow. But what beast has devoured you? Whether it's currently or maybe it's something in the past. What beast is holding back from moving you into your potential? What has swallowed you up and is holding you captive? Perhaps it's, it is the beast of anxiety that holds you de deep down. Perhaps it's depression. Perhaps it's something that is being done to you that's holding you in shame. Perhaps it might be something you're running from. So instead of pressing and taking the call of adventure, you find yourself filling your life with other things, with being a workaholic, workaholism, alcoholism, sexual misconduct. Perhaps you wrap yourself in vanity of unequivocal righteousness because you're too ashamed to peel back the layers and to see really what's happening on the inside. Stemming to a clinical psychologist, his name's Jordan B. Peterson, I'm not sure you've heard of him. He makes this really interesting statement when he talks about the call to adventure and to take this risk. He says, do you really want to make an impact on the world? Well, start by cleaning your own room first. Start by cleaning your own room first. Now, he's not talking about literally cleaning your room, clearly. Um, <laughs> he's talking about yourself. Yeah. 
You know, there's so many things we can see a problem in the world and we go, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. But ultimately, this potential gets stopped. And it's only stopped by us because we haven't dealt with our internal problems and then we create these cages. So what does your room look like? What do you have to clean? Have you not washed sheets of shame? Perhaps you need to empty the closet of unforgiveness to others. Perhaps there's a mirror that's been covered with a sheet or perhaps it's covered in dirt and you're too afraid to clean the mirror and to finally recognise and to forgive yourself. In Matthew 6, 12, in the Passion, it says, Forgive us the wrongs we have done as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. When we go to verse 14 at the end, Jesus says this, And when you pray, make sure you forgive the faults of others so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you. But what if you can't forgive yourself? Coming back to Jonah, we get to this point where he's in the beast. He cries to God, acknowledging the situation that he's put himself in ultimately. He says this, I've been thrown away, thrown out, out of your sight. I'll never again lay eyes on your holy temple. The ocean gripped me by the throat. The ancient abyss grabbed me and held me tight. My head was all tangled in seaweed at the bottom of the sea where the mountains take root. I was far down as a body could go and the gates were slamming shut behind me forever. Yet you pulled me up from that grave alive. Oh God, my God. He acknowledges that ultimately the call that God has for him to, de- to pre- bring hope and deliverance to a people who know none was in his hands and he's failed them. But it's been his own demise. He turns to God, he says this, and the next line after that is the beast suddenly spits him on dry land. How incredible is that? Some people believe that Jonah was a true person. Others believe it was just uh, this psychological dream. Whether it's one or the other, it holds such significance with what God wants to do in our lives. Is that not true? Proverbs 29.18 says this, Where there is no vision, the people perish. In the Passion it says, Where there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander away. Where perhaps have we lost this concept of our potential because we've locked ourselves in a prison constructed of our past? I know this is a really hard pill to swallow tonight and I know it is and I've been, I'm still going through it and and I I think in your life you'll continue to go through it. It's not something that you tick off and and then move on. It's something you'll have to keep coming back to. But I really want to challenge you but I also want to encourage you to clean your own room first. What from the past have we left undealt with? Does that mean we need to go back and apologise? Maybe we need to firstly forgive ourselves from this shame, from something that has been left undealt with or perhaps you are hiding from it. But I can promise you this, like in the story of Jonah, that God will cast the beast to spit you back onto dry land at the end and release you to give your potential 
And that's exactly what happened with Jonah. I just want to pray with everyone tonight. Thank you, Father. Father, I just pray for everyone in this place right now, Lord, as they take that challenge, Lord, as they take that word, Lord, into their souls, Father, that they will experience you in the truest form, God, that they will experience the call of God in their life, Father, and as they internally, Lord, assess their lives, Father, that you will open up doors, Lord, you will unveil the mirror, Father, that you will give them a grace upon grace, Father, to forgive others around them, to forgive themselves for their past, Father, and to forgive themselves for who they are right now so they can truly see who you have made them to be. In Jesus' name. Wow. That's so good, Joe. I just had a thought at the end of that message too that it's crazy that God uses the beast to get you where he wants you to be. Now, at the end, he was right where he needed to be, Nineveh, not the other way. Our next speaker is probably the prettiest speaker that we have tonight. Um, And you can welcome Rach Ironside to the stage. Sorry, boys. Sorry, boys. Gee, thanks, Trev. (laughs) Alrighty, so just before I get into um, my little message, I just really felt just two things. Um, I just felt at the start of the service that God, uh, Jesus really wanted to heal some people tonight. And I really felt that he already was doing the miracle. So during the worship, I just really felt that whatever it was, whether it was a physical ailment or just something that you are working through, I really feel like Jesus is already healing you. So just believe that in your heart. Say, yep, that's for me. I take that. I receive that healing. Um, I believe that for you. Um, One other thing It's really random. God just reminded me of a memory that I had a long time ago. And I just kind of saw that it may have been for someone here. I saw like there may have been someone who recently was actually sitting at home by themselves and you were crying. I know that sounds very (laughs) boohoo. But I felt like, you know, you were there and you were quite upset about something. And I just want to encourage you that Jesus sees you and he loves you. And he heard you and he hears you. I, I know it sounds so random, but he literally is there. Okay, so don't feel like you're ever alone, all right? I'm not sure why I remembered that, but I just want you to know that he's with you. He's right here. Okay, so um, following on with what Joe said, this is amazing. I'm going to talk to you about overcoming the giants or facing the giants. So things that um, every single person goes through all sorts of different challenges. Um, You know, whether there's some kind of internal challenge, um, an external challenge, whether it be like a challenge at work or relationships around you, or it is something that you are actually processing internally. You know, we all have different things. And at times, they literally can feel way too crazy to overcome. They can become like like huge, like a giant, right? That's bigger than us. But no matter what we face in our lives, I really believe that God is with us and that his perfect love can drive out all of that fear. I truly believe that with all my heart. And, you know, Joe touched on a few things um, that I believe giants can be different, you know, triggered by different things such as like heartbreak, challenging relationships, um, rejection, fear or anxiety which can lead to depression, persecution or pushback simply because of your faith um, or your beliefs. I think even triggers like debt, loneliness, sickness, um, traumatic experiences, addictions and other things like that, they can just seem huge in your life 
and quite hard to overcome, you know, at times, and especially when you try and do it alone. I'm going to refer to a Bible story in a moment, but just before I do, I just want to share a little snippet of um, my life. About eight or nine years ago, um, I'd been through an interesting time. I had been through a breakup. I was in my final year of uni. I was about to start a new career. Um, I was about to move out of home. There were so many different challenges and changes that were happening in my world. Not all bad things, but it kind of led me to this place where I felt pretty overwhelmed by the things that were around me and that were actually happening internally. They were like giants. Although they might have started small, before I realised they seemed huge around me and I kind of became a little unwell and ended up becoming quite consumed with anxiety and fear, some from legitimate things, other things that I probably had created you know, in my mind um, and it led to a place where I was quite lost and a little bit quite low, even though good things were happening around me. And it was during that time, just like that memory I shared, I was the girl sitting on the kitchen floor crying and feeling alone, but I now know that Jesus was right there with me, and he was with me the whole time, and he's right here. And on the other side of that, that's like eight or nine years ago, I found a lot of victory in all of the things that I had to work through, and I now can promise you that the power of God's love can literally take fear away from you. Like I'm testament to say you do not need to be afraid of anxiety. You do not need to be consumed by depression. The enemy has lied to the body of Christ and people far too long. And I'm getting emotional because I'm so passionate about this. You do not need to be afraid anymore. Whatever it is you're working through, don't stay in that place. Yes, there are horrible hard things to work through, especially if you've been through a traumatic experience and stuff like that. But don't stay in that place. Reach out to Jesus and say, I know you're the one who knows how I feel, so I'm going to keep pursuing you. Okay, so I, that's just one part of it. So I'm talking about, um, you know, overcoming the giants. A couple of quick scriptures. 1 John 4:18. it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear. I love that. Jeremiah 31.3, it also says, I have loved you with an everlasting love, and I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. So that's the Father talking to you. He draws you tonight. The story I want to refer to in the Bible is David. We know he faced a literal giant in front of him, a nine-foot huge person. Um, I'm sure you've heard of the story. He's a young guy, a shepherd. He goes to visit his brothers who are on the battlefield waiting for a battle to begin. And there's this massive giant who's just taunting the Israelites, saying the worst possible things about God and about them. And everyone's too afraid to have a go because it's huge, plus the consequences is if they lose, all the Israelites are slaves. So there's a bit of pressure there, right? So no one is having a go. It's just not looking good. But David arrives, and he's there for a purpose to bring food to his brothers. He has, um, hears Goliath, and he's like, why is no one having a go? And he ends up meeting the king, or the king meets him, and you know, he, lo and behold, here he is on the field facing the giant, and the giant is not happy. Okay, and then you know that the positive part of the story is that David ends up winning. Sling, you know, does the sling, rock, bang, giant, down. Woo! 
Israelites free. So that's the paraphrased version. Otherwise, I'll be here forever reading it too. So I'm going to pick three points of what I believe um, can happen when you face the giants, right? And that's all from David's story. So the first thing I believe is that giants will question your motives. I'll read you more. And they'll try to condemn you. But God calls you a new creation, made righteous and loved. So we see this um, when David, he first arrives at the battlefield, his brother says not nice things to him. So he questions his motives. In 1 Samuel 17, 26 um, and 28, it says, When Eliahab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I was like, ouch. Um, I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down here only to watch the battle. Wow. He's like, I just brought you food, mate. <laughs> like, seriously. So here we have David. He is just there. He's bringing food. And his brother is already like, what are you doing here? And horrible things, right? So I do feel that when you're facing a giant, they can sometimes challenge or try to condemn you. And it may be because you've done something really bad. Or, you know, it's something that you found yourself twisted in. But remember, Jesus is here and he wants to set you free. And you don't have to stay in that place of feeling condemned at all, you know. The second thing I want to say is that giants will question your ability. But Jesus says that you can do all things through him who strengthens you. We see this... um, in a moment, I'll read it in David's story, but just a few, a few scriptures. We know in Philippians 4.13, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And in Romans 8.37, it says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through those who love him. So in back to David's story, you know that the king, he is him. He is David. In th- verse 33, it says, Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. That's, That's very brave. When it turned to me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. So he's already had moments of victory in his life, right? Just like you you would have if you stopped and you look back. You're like, hang on a second. Jesus helped me there. I got through that. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Giant, you're not so big when I really look at you. You know, so just be reminded. And then he then says to the king in verse 37, The Lord who rescued me from the poor of the lion and the poor of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistines. So he's adding faith to it. So, you know, the enemy can question your motive. It can question your ability to overcome, but it's all just words. The last part I want to talk about is that giants will question your identity. But God calls you his child. You're called, chosen, set apart to change the world for him. In Hebrews 10.10, in the Passion Translation, it says, By God... By God's will, we have been purified and made holy once and for all. The sacrifice of the body of Jesus, the Messiah. That's cool. 1 John 3, 1, it says, Look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that he has lavished on us. That's what he says about you and I. 
The giant wants you to feel inadequate. The enemy wants you to feel inadequate. And half the time we are. That's why we need God's help, right? It continues on in the story to prove that point. It's when David literally squares up with the giant. This is when this guy tries to intimidate him. In verse 41, it says, from 1 Samuel 17, Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. I would be sweating by then. He looked David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. That's not very nice. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. So when you get the courage to face the giants, be prepared that some things might happen, right? That might not be so pleasant. But know that God is with you and he's already won the battle, right? Um, So then, you know, he says lots of mean things. But then David, you know, comes back um, and saying, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Hmm. This very day I'll give you carcasses, uh, the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the animals. It's pretty gross. But it ended up happening. So the giant did end up falling and the Israelites were free. Pretty brutal. But <laughs> follow the, motive, the, the moral that God is here with you. He wants to set you free. Don't let the giants intimidate you anymore because with the help of the Holy Spirit, you can overcome Okay, so don't stay in that sad place. Let Jesus heal you. I'll just um, finish off. In Psalm 144, um, verses 1 to 2, King David actually wrote a poetic song about that moment he was standing before Goliath. Verse 1, he said, There is only one strong, safe and secure place for me. It's in God alone and I love him. He's the one who gives me strength and skill for the battle. He's my shelter of love and my fortress of faith who wraps himself around me as a secure shield. I hide myself in this one who subdues enemies before me. So that's him expressing his, you know, challenge with that. So while I finish up, whatever it is that you're facing, we could all pretend to be perfect here, but we're not, right? (laughs) So we're all working through something. So let's be real before God for a moment which I hope you are mostly, why don't you just close your eyes just before the next person comes to speak. Why don't you just focus in on Jesus and say, Jesus, I need your help with this thing. It's been something I've been facing for a while. I need your help. I need your healing power to come and to minister, to heal my heart or to heal my body, to heal that wound from that person. Help me to forgive that person. Whatever it is, just make an exchange right now. Say, here I am. I don't have to strive to, f- to defeat this enemy because you've already won. So let us walk in your victory. I'm just going to pray over you. Jesus, I release your freedom over everyone tonight. I release the spirit of freedom over every person's mind right now, over every person's body and their hearts, Lord God. I thank you that no one needs to be afraid of anything here, that anxiety has no place here.
Even if it was a family thing that's passed on, we break it now in Jesus' name and we release the freedom and the peace of the Holy Spirit in this place. Lord God, for those that have experienced such horrible traumas, God, I release your comfort, Holy Spirit, your anointing to set people free, that joy would fill every single person's heart, Lord God, and it will be all testament to your power, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Rach. What giants are standing in the way of our potential? What giants are standing in the way of our potential? Uh, the, the final speaker tonight, uh, we're honoured to have a man who has given um, a lot of his life to the furthering of the kingdom, and we're honoured for him to come and bring his wisdom tonight. Please welcome Aaron. <laughs> Cheers, bro. I've got a minute. A minute? Yeah, I've got a minute. <laughs> so uh, I just want to, once again, young adults, myself, I want to honor Pastor Ross, Mary Lynn, Pete, and you guys are the best. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to stand, speak to, the, speak to your family. We're family. Thank you so much. Also, just want to plug, guys. Podcasts are available. Make sure you get online. I can encourage you. <laughs> I know, I know you, I know you're laughing, but I'm serious. Okay, this is part of who I am. I want you to grow. I'm challenging you to grow. Listen to the podcast, Pastor Ross, Mary Lynn, Pete. Anybody who speaks here is 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 preaching from their hearts. It's spirit led. Listen to the podcast. Listen to YouTube. Everybody on YouTube, listen to it. Get it in. Get some points. You're going to grow. Agreed cool all right i'm gonna punch this out so it's gonna be quick okay so if you got no pad pen let's go all right so um title god gets you god gets you it's actually really cool that rach spoke before me because she literally spoke a lot of it okay here we go often we go through life trying to figure out who we are and what we are meant to be doing with the time god has given us here on earth Okay, our identity is being formed and shaped through our individual experiences, relationships, culture, media, and the world around us. We are constantly seeking to define who we are in any way we can. When we finally think we have things worked out, we can immediately come against opposition when we communicate this to others around us. Usually people just don't quite understand who we are and what makes us tick. This then sends us on another journey to redefine who we are and what we are meant to be doing. Okay, This may not, and in most cases, will not be a one-off thing. And, could, uh, and it, this could happen more than we could ever imagine throughout your lifetime. Okay, This brings into question how much importance should we place in the opinions of others and why is God not the determiner of our identity and character? Do we allow others to shape who we are or do we look to the word to define, confirm and solidify who he is in us or, or, and who we are in him? What happens to identity when we experience failure? Okay, or lose someone's favor, especially in relationships. Or become burnt out in our jobs or place of service. I'm challenging you. 
The very foundation of our identity can be shaken and altered, resulting in us hustling to define ourselves by something or someone else. A stable sense of self cannot fully exist when we place our identity in external things or other people. Okay, now I'm going to get personal. Sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> Recently, I was on this journey again. Okay, this time not by choice. I had become emotionally overwhelmed due to various things that I had allowed to overrule who I was in Christ. Okay, there was a point there that I felt no one really gets me. They don't understand who God has created. Then because of that, I had allowed opinions and words to dictate what I could do, who I could talk to, where I could go, how I should act, etc., etc., etc. would build all those things in our mind. Basically, I was questioning the real me that God had created. So I got thinking, God, who have you called me to be? And why don't people understand? I'm going to give you three points. <laughs> Thanks, Mary. You're my biggest advocate. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you three quick points. There's a lot of scriptures. I'm just going to shotgun the scriptures at you. Please do your, do your diligence. Read up the scriptures. Get it into your spirit. Okay. Number one, know who you are in Jesus. God owns you. Full stop. God owns you. Okay, knowing who you are, knowing who you are in Jesus is the fundamental cornerstone of knowing who you truly are. Okay, I'll say that again. Knowing who you are in Jesus is the fundamental cornerstone of knowing who you truly are. Okay, once you confess that Jesus is now the only one you allow to rule and govern you, okay, you are officially his. Full stop, again, okay? Um, God owns you. That means no one can steal you from God and all the promises that God has for your new life belong to you. Every promise. Where can we find those promises? Thank you, Emma. 10 points. 10 points. Okay. How does God see us? In Ephesians 1, 3-14, Paul is addressing the church in Ephesus and is explaining the new identity given to a person when they are in Christ. According to Ephesians 1, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We have been chosen. You have been adopted. You've been redeemed, forgiven, grace-lavished, and unconditionally loved and accepted. We are pure, blameless, and forgiven. We have received the hope of spending eternity with God. When we are in Christ, these aspects of our identity can never be altered by what we do. You can't change those characteristics, no matter what you do. Okay, I encourage you to read uh, Ephesians and Romans. Get it into your spirit. That's your identity. Feed off it. Feed off it. You'll, that's the first stepping stones of knowing who you truly are in, in Christ. Not just in that, but who you are. Okay. Um, uh, in Romans, get a firm understanding. Uh, an identity grounded in God means that when we think of who we are, the first thing that should come to mind is our status as someone who's deeply loved by God. Okay. 
And then I've got a Romans 10, 9, 11. I'm just going to shoot these through, okay? Just get it into you. Just stay open. If you acknowledge and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, recognizing his power, authority, and majesty is God, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You are actually saved. For with the heart a person believes, my heart, in Christ, in Christ as Savior, resulting in his justification, that is being made righteous, being freed of the guilt of sin and made acceptable to God. And with the mouth, he acknowledges and confesses his faith openly, resulting in and confirming his salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him, whoever adheres to, trusts in and relies on him, will not be disappointed in his expectations. Okay, second, second scripture, easy one, John 3.16. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world, that's us, that he even gave his one and only begotten son, so that whoever believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish, but have eternal life. Okay, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a consecrated nation. Come on, somebody. Come on, Matt, give me something. A special people. You are special. If someone says you're not special, just go, Whoa, wait a second. God says I'm special. Say it to yourself. You know, thanks, Rachel. Rachel, she mentioned that. Say it to yourself. You are special. You are beautiful. You're wonderfully and beautifully made. Just say it. Speak with your mouth. Special people of God's own possession. There you go again. You are God's possession. So that you may proclaim the excellences, okay, seize the wonderful deeds and virtues and perfections of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. That's 1 Peter 2.9. Romans 8.16, Amplified. The Spirit himself testifies and confirms together with our spirit, assuring us that we are believers of, uh, that we believers are children of God. Second point, keeping up. Be confident in who God has created you to be. Be confident. Okay, God knew you before you were formed. Okay, that means He is the perfect one to show you who you truly are. Okay, and He will guide you with love, grace to becoming that person. So good. When He does show you, accept it. Okay, walk confidently in it. Okay, then allow him to use you in powerful ways that will influence countless people to encounter Jesus. Yeah? Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before, before you were formed. Come on, that should just blow your mind. Okay, and approved you as my chosen instrument. He's approved each and every one of you. Okay, no matter where you are in how much you believe, you are approved by God. You are His chosen in instrument. And before you were born, I consecrated you to myself as my own. There we go. Possession again. You are God's. I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Okay, Jeremiah 33.3. 3, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you and even show you great and mighty things, things which have been confined and hidden, which you do not know and understand and cannot distinguish. This is about yourself. Okay, Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image, in the image and likeness of God. And he created him, male and female, he created them. You are his image. Number three. Keeping up, last point. God gets you. God gets you. 
When all types of communication methods are exhausted and you're finally tired of trying to continually explain how you see things in life. (laughs) So good, eh? Know that God gets you. God gets you. Okay? You can rest in that. I rest in that all the time. He is always with you. He will never fail you. He's guiding you, teaching you, loving you, holding you, showing you, listening to you, healing you, crying with you, laughing with you, avenging you, blessing you, calming the storms in you, holding you. He always understands you. Always. Full stop again. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or dismayed, intimidated, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Cool, the anointing is here. Psalms 55.22, cast your burden on the Lord, release it, and he will sustain and uphold you. He will never, he will never allow the righteous to be shaken. You are righteous, you will not be shaken. Okay? Isaiah 41.10, do not fear anything for I am with you. Do not be afraid for I am your God. I will strengthen you, be assured. I will help you. I will certainly take hold of you with my righteous right hand, a hand of justice, of power, of victory, of salvation. No man will be able to stand before you, to oppose you as long as you live. Just as I was present with Moses... So I will be with you. I will not fail you or abandon you. Uh, Joshua 1.5. Psalm 91.14. Because you, he set his love on me. Talking about everybody here. Because you set your love on him. Therefore, I will save you. Okay, I will, I will set you securely on high because you know his name. Okay. You confidently trust you confidently trust and rely on Him, knowing He will never abandon uh, abandon you. No, never. Psalm ninety one fourteen. And lastly, I'm just gonna. This is this is part of who I am. This is part of who I am. So I'm just getting a little bit personal as I finish up. Okay. Um. In in all, God gets you. Okay. Don't be, don't be afraid. Don't feel weak. Don't be, don't be sad when people don't understand you. God gets you. He made you. Okay, that's the overall summary of that message. God gets you. Okay. This is part of who I am. Um, we as human beings made in God's image are quite unique and I must say hilarious. <laughs> My boy. I am a faith-filled realist, meaning that I believe that for every action, there is a reaction or cause and effect. If you do get the chance to know me, then be prepared to, in a sense, be challenged by our conversations. You will react positively or negatively, emotionally or logically, straight away or after a couple of days. I'm just being real. Know though, okay, that if you are challenged, it comes from a genuine heart of not just realism and observation, okay? It comes from care. 
It comes from concern. And it comes from love for you to become who God has created you to be. God gets you, okay? And he wants the best for you. And he's always challenging you to be better, okay? To be who he's created you to be. Thank you for joining us. Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, Check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or on our social media pages at Bayside Christian Church.